0: Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show Wildcard Weekend Review. Three road teams with the win, upsets galore, every game within a score. What a weekend it was to kick off the playoffs for this year. We'll talk about it all. We'll also get into Jerry Jones finally, or maybe not ripping off the band-aid, but picking at it over the course of a week until everything scabs over but finally Jason Garrett is gone so we'll get into that as well Matt Sherry alongside me this is the Gridiron Show all right welcome to the Gridiron Show Will Gavin, Matt Sherry from Gridiron Magazine the editor, the czar, the main man how are we doing buddy? Yeah, wonderful,
1: mate. I'm a little bit tired, but I'm very, very
0: good. Excited. Have, have you, I didn't mention it in the intro, but have you emotionally recovered from Saturday night and what could have been the end of an era in New England? I'm not sure
1: that I'm at that stage yet, simply because I, I don't really think it's the end of the era yet, Um and I'm just intrigued by the off-season at the moment. I'm not hugely disappointed about this season for a couple of reasons. One, um, the sixth last season, uh, really, for me, I I am very much laissez-faire because of six, because six to me represented one more than the 49ers, and it, it really represented the complete... End of any discussion is in terms of greatest dynasty, greatest head coach, greatest quarterback, and that's. Really uh, I love
0: that you've got one more than the Forty ers have failed to mention one more than the Cowboys there. Uh, the, uh, the no, but the- it's
1: one more the 49ers in in one di- <laughs> in one dynasty. You know the Cowboys is split over multiple years. The Steelers have six themselves as well, obviously. But it was more that kind of that trifecta of Kraft, Belichick, and Brady winning six to me sealed the legacies, which is what I've really wanted to have happen because I think it's deserved based on the quality of what they've done. Um I also didn't think they would win the Super Bowl this year, especially once they were in the wildcard round, because I, I just thought it was it was basically one of the most difficult routes to a Super Bowl I'd ever seen. Um there were obvious issues there that never got fixed that we'll get into on the on this pod. And and really for me as a fan, um Losing a Super Bowl in person is horrendous. And I would much rather... This is a lot better than that. Um, oh, and, listen to And then, to you. And then <laughs> having... It is, mate. I mean, honestly, it's great <laughs> when they win. And I've had that experience three times and I've been very lucky. But it's great. And also, genuinely, I'm massively excited to just enjoy the playoffs without the kind of root and interest. Because that's the one thing is... I've never become detached from the fan side of things. You know, like in media, we sometimes do. Um, I feel like I did in in football for a while, and now because I'm not covering that anymore, I've almost am more fanatical about United in football than ever. But in the NFL, I've never lost that fandom, and and it's it's fun to just be able to cover the playoffs as a journalist and enjoy them and analyse them and not be thinking about games in terms of the Patriots like I want to watch the Ravens and enjoy Lamar Jackson without thinking oh I wouldn't mind them getting beat because you know it it would be an easier route for the Patriots to get to the Super Bowl so for me I'm I'm very much excited about the next four weeks and, and just enjoying it from that perspective as well
0: um, I, I'd say that uh, the, the, the thing is I, I totally understand where you're coming from it reminds me of and, and th- I joke about the complacency and there is a little bit of complacency yeah, because, huge amount. because uh, you know I'm delighted to see my team Back in the playoffs and, and you know, favourites to advance through to the NFC Championship game next weekend. But I do also know the stress that will come with that on Saturday night, particularly if we've, we've got the game live on the, uh, the network on which I broadcast. But, you know, it reminds me of the Euros, the year that Spain won it, that, that England didn't get to that tournament. And I can't remember enjoying an international tournament more. Firstly, it was a great tournament anyway, but actually not having the stress of knowing you were always 48 hours away. 72 hours away from, you know, same day as what could always be a wretched England performance against a team you should beat uh, with a side that was easily good enough to go and win that tournament, as it felt like with every England tournament at that time. Just the hope had so gone from me that actually knowing that I didn't have the stress as a fan and I could just enjoy the football was was a joy. So I do get it. I absolutely and, and do. And also
1: Super Bowl week, Well, Like... Super Bowl week as you might find out when you are supporting one of the teams is is obviously incredible you know it's arguably the greatest week of the year every year and it's amazing to be there and we do some awesome stuff but when it's your team in the game it is also always at the back of your mind, and and a little bit all-consuming in that. And obviously, there's reminders of it everywhere, and you you get nervous. Like I'm a I'm a terrible fan in terms of getting nervous, as you've witnessed firsthand in the press box of those games at the Super Bowl, anyway. And and I'm a I'm a largely pathetic sports fan in terms of just investing in it to a level that. I mean, the behaviour in the front row watching Man United games is an absolute joke, and <laughs> and like so I'm, and, and having to bottle all that up and be professional is tough at times. So yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm just looking forward to. I mean, let's be honest, the, the, the great thing about the NFL. Uh, the reason I love it above any other any other sport is once your team is out, it's still massively interesting because it's just such a great product. I don't feel the same way about the Premier League, you know. I I invest heavily in all United games now, but the the idea of watching the Premier League every week when Liverpool are winning it and United are as bad as they are genuinely makes me feel physically sick. So, <laughs> like whereas the the NFL now I'm just massively pumped for the rest of the playoffs. So. So yeah, no negatives
0: here for me. Fair enough, fair enough. Right, let's um, let's dig into it then, because obviously the Titans edging the Patriots was the, the 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 kind of the big story to to kick off the weekend, even though it was the second game on on Saturday. And so we need to tuck into that game. We need to talk about the Bills absolutely crapping the bed uh, against Houston, uh, Seahawks nabbing the the NFC wildcard round win against the Eagles, thanks in in no small part to to horrendous injuries, and of course the uh, the final game of the weekend. The New Orleans Saints. We saw the six seed go and win at the three seed in both conferences because the Minnesota Vikings finally came up trumps in a way that we always talked about this team being able to do from a talent perspective. Let's start off in Houston. The Texans topping the bill, the Bills in overtime to advance to the divisional round, um, rallying from a sixteen point deficit. I. Even though they only scored a field goal on that um, on on that third score, that fourth score for the Bills, I at that point was so confident that what I'd seen from them defensively and what I'd seen complete lack of from the Texans, that not only did I leave the bar that we were in to head to the hotel, to head to the airport, to leave Los Angeles, I didn't even bother streaming the game in the taxi as was my original plan. I had a little nap. I woke up to find out that the Texans had absolutely clawed their way back into this game, and the, just it, is it inexperience? Is it just Josh Allen? Was it coaching? How did the Bills manage to conspire to to cock this up? Um, uh, there was one really bad coaching mistake. First of all, so let's
1: start with that because everyone knows I'm a huge Sean McDermott fan. There's a fourth and twenty-seven play where instead of punting, uh, they they just went for it. <laughs> I've never really seen anything like it, Um, which was insane and a disaster. I mean, Josh Allen... So the the build-up to that is that Josh Allen has... They're in field goal range. I think they needed a field goal to level the game at that point. And Josh Allen has taken two sacks in back-to-back plays, absolute killer plays, and taken them out of field goal range. And then they've made this inexplicable decision, which frankly, ends up, to a degree, working out. But it's a terrible, terrible call. I mean, Allen then gets sacked again for kind of 12 yards. And instead of punting and getting the ball back in great field position, then suddenly the Texans have the ball. But um, the Texans go for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal themselves that would have made it a six-point game. And the Bills end up getting the ball back because they they fail on the fourth down. So... And and terrible decision by Bill O'Brien, who I thought had an awful, awful, awful game. I mean, I've been a Bill O'Brien defender over the years because he's consistently got the Texans to the playoffs, often with bad quarterback play. But he's got to Sean Watson now, and it has to look better than it did in this game. And, yeah, I mean, just insane. So then you you end up with the, the Bills driving back down, kicking a field goal, getting to overtime. I mean, the, the Bills... Showed their true colours on Josh Allen over the season. They didn't pass the ball once on third and one this season, Buffalo. That shows how little faith they actually have in him. They, they, they've they coached like a team who were terrified of him losing the game and, and messing it up. And he kind of did mess it up, to be to be brutally honest. Um, then the big caveat to all of that is that in Deshaun Watson, you know, Houston have a quarterback a little bit like, and we'll get on to Russell Wilson in a bit, a little bit like Russell Wilson, a little bit like Tom Brady over the years, where it just feels like they have a knack for doing what is necessary to win games. And, you know, Dabo called Deshaun Watson Michael Jordan. He was in Michael Jordan mode for the fourth quarter and overtime of this game. I mean, the play that leads to the winning, to the winning failure is, is just absolutely astonishing. I mean, the, 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 there's a freeze frame of the moment where it looks like he's dead dead to rights. And it's just obscene. So it's a combination of building experience and certainly a little bit of coaching and experience. Deshaun Watson, and, and for me the big takeaways I I I genuinely I've said this all season, regardless of people losing their minds over one Thanksgiving performance. I never think that Josh Allen is going to be a guy who who wins these games. I think he's a guy who loses you the games. Um I mean That Bills team gave up 24 points or more. I can't remember how many they gave up in week 17, but by by week 16, they gave up 24 points or more twice all season. Do you know how difficult it is not to be really good when you do that? You know, they don't need a great quarterback, but on the night they needed a a slightly safer quarterback than Josh Allen, whose own killer fumble was what helped Houston back into the game. And also, I mean, he, he threw two passes that should have been pick sixes. You know, they were actually fortunate he didn't cost them more. So, yeah, it was it was a game that really, I thought, summed up both teams. The Texans are a team who were wildly inconsistent in the way, you know, this game was a microcosm of their season almost. And the Bills are a, a very well-coached, talented team. Again, barring that well-coached, barring that one play call, 4th and 27, but have a quarterback who just just isn't good enough. I mean, it, it, it might he be good enough, possibly, but I, I wouldn't say he's shown huge improvements since Wyoming. I think he's still largely the same guy.
0: Yeah, I, I, the thing for me when you talk about the Texans is, yes, that is a fair point that you are... Um, that is a fair point that, you know, he did this weekend look like Michael Jordan and make those plays. But there's no doubt that without Wolf Will Fuller on the field, the offense hasn't clicked in the same way and didn't click in the same way through at least two and a half quarters of this game. And it did require him to come out and and do something special. And, you know, interesting to see JJ Watt coming back from that torn peck and actually whilst not making a huge impact on, on the game top to tail, having two or three plays where he really did, which, I heard a great stat from uh, from Chris Westling on it that the last two times he's come back from a major injury, or maybe the last three times, it's taken him three games before he's even got a sack. So it's not like he can return from a major injury early and always make these kind of impacts. But they would, with the, with the amount of talent they have, they should have not been in the hole that they were in. And I think that is down to coaching as much as anything else. And I do. You know, we're going to talk about who we think can go on the road and win this weekend. But if there's one team that I really don't fancy, it's Houston going to Kansas City, even with that game changer at quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, they did win there earlier in the season, but you would say the Kansas City's defense has come on, you know, leaps and bounds, really, since then. Um I think it's a concern. I mean, Bill O'Brien, he had a great game plan against New England. Um, but again, that was when Will Fuller was healthy. And, and and the inability to coach around, I mean, it's not like the other weapons are bad. They've got a tight end who was in, in Fells who he had a one killer drop in this game, but actually has played really nicely all year. Um, good, double, good backfield, good two-headed monster at running back, you know, Kenny Stills is one of the better slot receivers in football and also, in his own right, a very good deep threat. You know, one of the... If, if, if the offence is so predicated on, you know, giving DeAndre Hopkins space with that deep threat, then Kenny Stills could do that job. I mean, they've got DeAndre Carter and guys like that who could do a job in the slot. So, so, yeah, I don't think it should be as difficult as it's been to look. I mean, the key to Deshaun turning it round in this game was just throwing the ball to Hopkins. I mean, it... Obviously, Tredavious White did a good job of covering new Hopkins, but he's never covered. You just throw him the ball. I mean, it, sometimes I think teams overcomplicate the game. If What the 49ers will, and you've seen this, have done a great job of this year. If they've had a th- key third or fourth down, they've generally just thrown the ball
0: to, to kill. You yeah. know, and, and and there comes a time. Or Manny, Manny Sanders. And yeah. That's what's great of having two really reliable guys like that. There was one drive against Seattle last weekend, and I, I obviously haven't spoken about this game, but there was one drive, and I think it was actually our first touchdown drive, where on back-to-back third downs, he hit those two back-to-back in what were both contested catches into tight windows, and you just looked at it and went, what a difference it is having those two players on the field. And you know the Texans have a game-changer, and yet the ball wasn't getting to him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. and And when it did the, the kind of script of the game changed so the Texans are just they're just a weird team I said it before the game last week I mean that I've seen them so many times this year where my expectations are low and they, they deliver to a really high level I've seen so many games where my expectations are high and, and they don't turn up so I think it's going to be difficult to predict the outcome next week I'm glad Deshaun is in the final four because I think we've got you know we're in a situation where three of the four teams here have the three best young quarterbacks in the AFC, and and you can see all of those three having multiple matchups against each other at this time of year for many years to come. And it's it's fun to be, it's fun to really be around for the start of that journey.
0: Yeah. Now, from the Bills' perspective, looking forward to to next year and beyond. Obviously, we've had you say on on Josh Allen, and he doesn't look like a guy who's necessarily going to be able to turn into that. But he did have stretches this season where he did look like that player, and he's still someone who does make plays, he does pick up those key third downs, he does look, you know, really, really dangerous when he gets outside the pocket and uses his legs, and uh, that defence was brilliant until Deshaun Watson picked the game up. They, uh, Tremaine Edmonds was absolutely fantastic, Matt Milano looked really good, and, and you know, if Sean McDermott can keep coaching that defence and, and and keep the talent levels up on it, you can't see why they can't, make a run at the AFC East again next year, even with Josh Allen. It's just whether or not – it's something we've talked about a lot over the past. What point do you realise that the quarterback you've got is not the right option? Yeah, We're going to talk a bit about the Bears later. They they, right now, for me, are the prime example, whilst the team who are currently the number one seed in the AFC realised bright and early that the guy they had wasn't right and they made the change and they made the difference. At what point do you pull that bandage off and say, you know what, we're not going to win Super Bowls with this guy?
1: I'm not sure you're quite there yet, unless an opportunity presents itself. I mean, if Tom Brady hits the open market and I was the Buffalo Bills, I would a million percent try and sign him. Like, I wouldn't even think twice about it. And... And and same with the Bears, but for me with Alan, I don't think you give up on him completely yet by any stretch of the imagination. But this is the year to look at another option. You know, bring somebody in to, to 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 challenge him. Whether that's a veteran who you think outright training camp challenge, or whether it's just a young guy who you think, well, if in a year's time, we 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 haven't seen the progression, because there is there is progression to a degree. I mean, it's unfair to say he's exactly the same guy as Wyoming. Um, but if you're not seeing enough progression next year, I'd like to be in a position where you can say, well, we've got this other guy, and you need to think like that. I mean, too many teams get wedged to these quarterbacks. The Rams with Goff as another example. I mean, even the Ravens with Flacco after his Super Bowl run. I mean, you know, that that place has always had really good coaching, really good talent evaluation, but largely hitched their wagon to the wrong quarterback. I mean, and in their case, more understandable because they'd won a Super Bowl, but... You do need to, you do need to, you don't need to get off the guy immediately, but you do need to start
0: thinking contingency plans. Yeah, undoubtedly. Right. So the Texans advance. They face the Kansas City Chiefs next weekend. I think that's the early game on Sunday. So we'll uh, preview that in a show later this week. Let's move on to Saturday night. Then we've talked a bit about the future for the Patriots, but let's talk about the game itself. I, I, uh, I was in the airport for this game. I know I always planned to buy the Wi-Fi on the airplane and, and stream the second half as and when I got on there. That's exactly what I did. It ended up being pointless until the very, very end of the pick six, 20 to 13 win for the Tennessee Titans over the New England Patriots. Uh, Derek Henry absolutely you know, bulldozing this team in the first half. But interesting to see when you want to think about the Titans going forwards, that. I mean, I say shut down, he still had 70 yards in the second half, but how kind of one-dimensional the Titans' offence did look when Derrick Henry wasn't as much of a factor in the second half. Was this a case of a New England team that's old and battered and just couldn't bring itself up to the level? Or how impressed should we be by the Titans going on the road and getting this win?
1: I mean, the Titans are a tough matchup. up I mean, I think that... I I don't well. I sympathise with New England because the, the Miami defeat in week 17 was so bad that they put themselves in this position. But I do to a degree sympathise with both the Patriots and the Saints who ended up with the three seed and playing really the, the most dangerous six seeds I can remember in recent times, uh, certainly the last couple of seasons. Um, so the Titans were really good. Um I thought the Patriots got the game plan actually badly wrong in the first half. And, and they adjusted really nicely in the second half. But it was kind of understandable because the, Titan, the Titans have been so good with the play-action pass that, that New England really decided that they're going to have to play them straight, you know, play the pass as well as the run. And it was only in the second half that they committed all the resources to stop at the running game and, and kind of taking their chances in the secondary. And that worked out. I mean... And and that would be the worry for Tennessee is how well it did work out because as much as Henry had a couple of big runs, he averaged two yards a carry for the majority of the second half and and Tennessee didn't look like moving the ball. Um, I feel really sorry for New England's defence who essentially gave up, you know, 14 points against what's been the best offence in football for the last eight weeks and are not going to be remembered anywhere near as historically great as they should be based on what they've done all season. And, and... And let's just stick with Tennessee. Um Tennessee, defensively I thought there were really worrying signs in the first half. Um you know, they play they they basically have to play their own defence at the play. But then I also thought that there were some performances from young players that were exciting. I mean, Rashawn Evans at linebacker was absolutely mm-hmm. all over the field. Um you know
0: Jeffrey and, Simmons I, as well.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that the main thing is that in Vrabel, I just see him. And, I see him and McDermott as similar type, proper old school head coaches to build around. I mean, you look at the totality of this run that they've put together since being two and four; and they've been outstanding, and and they they are a risk for the Ravens next week. The Ravens have had three weeks off, which I've. Almost always means that you struggle early in the game because it's a long, long time off. And that is exactly the kind of team you don't want to face. I mean, nobody wants to face Tennessee. That's the reality. Because they are, they're a unique matchup. They t- test you physically. But there are weaknesses. I mean, their offensive line is a weakness. And and if you can get Tannehill in third and five onwards and let the pass rushers get after them, it's it's a problem. Um, I think their second quarter cornerback's a weakness. I think they're they are susceptible on the edge running the ball which for the Ravens will be, will be something they'll really attack Adoree Jackson in in run support is a disaster as we saw on the Edelman touchdown it certainly was in this game um, so yeah I mean I, I think there are some real troubling sides for Tennessee in this game I think that had the Patriots scored the touchdown from the one yard line in the first half they'd have probably won the game and maybe handily but what's interesting about playoff football is how often we, we analyze all these matchups and we break it down. The playoffs often come down to who can make plays on third and one, fourth and one, and first and goal from the one. And the reality is the Tennessee did that on both ends. Great goal line stand. When they got in there, Derek Henry powers it in. And and it's really physical smash mouth football that sometimes wins at this time of year in those key spots. And Tennessee have that code for them.
0: I mean, in terms of uh, the what we've seen in terms of growth of Tennessee from that 2-4 and four position with Ryan Tannehill coming in and finally having an offense that clicked, and also for him finally performing up to a level that, you know, there was a, was a risk that he could with the talent he had. Uh, you know, he never necessarily flashed in a way that of the guys that we talk about, like, you know, the Watsons and Mahomes and Russell Wilsons, et cetera, who are those just absolute physical and playmaking freaks. But there is there's always been this potential in him i thought that they didn't work the I mean, game he was, plan he, he was to his bad strengths. This game, yeah, exactly. So they, they they didn't work the game plan to his strengths in any way, shape or form, which was bizarre considering how well they were running the ball in this game. They weren't rolling him out. They weren't doing anything to make him comfortable at all. And that did seem a little bizarre to me. But I do think, yeah, a, a very close friend of mine who's a, who's a Titans fan literally described this game in the emotional aftermath as his Super Bowl. He went, that was my Super Bowl. We'll get tonked by the Ravens next week weekend and I'm fine with it considering what's happened over the last 13 or 14 weeks and as much as we talk about teams have to be about winning the Super Bowl you do look at what Tennessee have put together in this in the second half of the season and say the signs are so bright the coach is in place maybe the quarterback is in place going forward as well if if you know this isn't just a flash in the pan there's so much to be positive about And they're still in the playoffs. Let's not yeah. discount them entirely. Even if you look at all four matchups next weekend, and, and again, you maybe fancy the AFC side to be the home teams who get who get the win.
1: Yeah, completely. I mean, lots of good sides, um, and 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 I think the coach is the main one. I'm still a believer that really the most important element for any team in the NFL is to get a good coach. And and Vrabel over his first two years has done a nice job, and and I think over the last ten weeks has, has being as good, as, coaches, as good a coach as anybody in football. So, uh, yeah, I think some really, really good sides for Tennessee. And we're talking about them like it's over. It isn't. You know, they, they have every chance of going in and, and making a statement and, and, and progressing next week.
0: Tom Brady, just want to touch on it while we're here, says yep. it's unlikely he'll retire afterwards. Uh, is the sense for you that he does end up back in New England next year? Uh, yeah, I think so.
1: I mean, I, I, I don't think anybody has decided yet and I don't think they've even thought about deciding yet. Um, that's not really how the Patriots work. Certainly wants to get into a season and I believe them on that. I, I think he'll get offers elsewhere and, and New England will make a a, a comparable offer. And he'll
0: return for one more season. It, so it's they, amazing that that we could see a situation where Belichick treats Tom Brady in the same way that he treats almost all other free agents. In that way, of if he's got a guy that he really has to keep in the building, they obviously do what they have to do to keep him there. Like you think, uh, there there have been a few cases over the years. But Hightower McCarty, H- Dante Bum, Bum, Hightower, Hightower, was exactly the one that sprung to mind for me. Um, but actually. You know they do like to let guys go and test free agency and realize what their actual worth is, rather than just throwing money at them in the building. Yeah. It's amazing that he might let Tom Brady do just that, because there will be some teams who are probably willing to offer him well over what he's worth for the sake of one season, even seeing the kind of physical degradation we saw this year and and trying to figure out whether or not those injuries will go away over an off season or whether we will see more of a you know late career Peyton Manning kind of body of work from him to finish up I, I do still feel like there's for me if he wins this playoff game if he goes to the Super Bowl or if he goes to a championship game and loses there there would have been more consideration to retirement to finish his career with a home loss in the playoffs and a pick six I immediately just went well there's no way he's retiring now
1: yeah and, and also I mean a lot of people write in the obituaries they've lost playoff games before you know They've lost badly at home against the Ravens in the wild card round in 2009. Everybody said the dynasty was over then. I get that he's 42 now. I get most importantly that he had injury issues this year that I would characterise as the issues of somebody with a bit more age. However, if I watch Drew Brees throw the ball yesterday and compare him with Brady, I know who looks like a 43, 44-year-old quarterback and who looks like less of one, and it was Brady. I mean, I thought Brady threw the ball really nicely. The weapons showed up in this game in a big way. I mean, there were some huge drops, including one by Edelman, who was played through so much this year. Um, It just wasn't anywhere near good enough. And and it's easy to criticise Belichick for that too, but they've been unlucky this year with that. I mean, Gronkowski retired late, which meant that they didn't sign Jared Cook who I think they would have signed... You know, they made the best offer for, for Adam Humphreys, who has been anonymous in Tennessee. I mean, that was a ridiculous decision by him to leave more money on the table to sign for a team who haven't utilised them well in the passing game. He did look to a completely different player in New England. And then there's Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, you know, situations that they're trying to rectify. I mean, they spent a second-round pick on Mohamed Sanu. It didn't work out. He got injured... After two weeks, and never really looked like the same player. So their start starting there who was such a key part of that offensive line out for the year as well, every team has injuries, I get that. But what, what they had was a selection of injuries in one part of the team, the offence, that was a lot of new players coming together and they just never got the chemistry right all year. And that offence is predicated on chemistry. It just is. I mean, you know, I've seen it look bad in other years, not this bad, but I've never seen this many things go wrong in... In the same areas. You know, the left tackle was injured for most of the season. So it was really one of those things. You can't get to the Super Bowl every year. The, the Patriots have done an incredible impression of creating an idea that you can and they are ultimately judged by those standards. But given what they've achieved together and given how old this roster is, um this was gonna happen at some point. It has happened and, and it's gonna be fascinating to watch the off season now because As much as people want to write the obituaries, whether Tom Brady is there or not, they have a coach who is so much better than the competition that to write them off moving forward is complete lunacy. I mean, if you think that the coach is the most important thing in the NFL, which I certainly do, then I would take having one who is... I mean, the distance between him and number two is ludicrous,
0: so... Be, and, and there's be. there's been this long time, long held kind of romantic seeming belief that they will retire together and ride off into the sunset yeah. or whatever. Over the last two years, I have never been more convinced that Bill Belichick will continue beyond Brady and yeah. probably not just for a couple of years, but could still be coaching the Patriots in a decade.
1: Yeah I mean I wouldn't be surprised and also but the one thing I would say is Brady back with New England contingent upon what they do with the roster you know I think he would want assurances that, that that the offense is going to dramatically improve that they invest a little bit more in the offensive line the wide receivers and and the team is just more balanced because I think even with the departures the defense should still be good next year because the secondary is so good and and I think McCordy re-signs and, and largely those guys are locked up. Um, so I think for, for New England, it's about becoming a more balanced team again and having an offence that is is comparable to the defence. And I think that'll be the the thing that Brady's return is contingent upon. My guess is that both of those things happen. They reload and essentially say, right, we're putting everything into one season here because really, I think next year has to be Brady's last. And, and they, they take one more shot at it. But... Fascinating to see because I don't think any of that's decided. That's just my best guess.
0: Uh, now, before we move on to Sunday's games, let's just talk about the end of an act, the actual end of an era in Dallas, and the timing of this news. At halftime of the Fox game on Sunday Night Football was the most classically and hilarious Jerry Jones thing of all time. But Jason Garrett has finally been removed as head coach, or, well, to be more accurate hasn't had his contract extended. He's been thanked for his 21 years of service as player through assistant, through head coach as well. The reports coming out is that, and now we already have heard about interviews for Mike McCarthy and Marvin Lewis that Dallas are looking at an experienced coach with specifically NFL experience, specifically someone who has already had success in the NFL as well. They're not looking to bring in a young coach, a college coach, a, an, uh, an like to promote a coordinator into that position. That's what Jerry Jones wants. I know you talked about this in some depth last week, but it was interesting when I first, when I was talking about this last night, I had a couple of Cowboys fans come back at me, essentially saying that this team will never be the Super Bowl team that people think they can be while Jerry Jones is still in charge. I look at it and say, he's built an unbelievable roster there. They've wasted a huge amount of talent. Surely they are just a gr- a great coach away from being genuine contenders.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They are. Yeah. I mean, more, more so than anybody else. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, did you see? Uh, did you see Des Bryant's tweet last night? I never know. Des Bryant tweeted last night. Uh, I and I'm, I will say this with uh, you know, If I was writing it, I'd have to put bracket sick in uh, in there as well. He said, "I don't have no sympathy for Coach Garrett losing his job. The Cowboys just became real contenders."
1: Yeah, I mean it's true. I mean, I I, I looked back at we mentioned it on the last pod, and I said. You know, I genuinely think Tony Romo could have been the quarterback to bridge that gap towards Manning Brady Breeze but they just wasted him for years I mean it's just a farce what's happened over the years um, yeah I mean I find that profile interesting I mean Marvin Lewis that would be like jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire and, and hiring exactly the same coach I mean it really would That is, I mean, Jason Garrett and Marvin Lewis are exactly the same coach, basically. (laughs) One on offense, one on defense. Um, I think McCarthy makes a lot of sense. I I thought McDaniels would be the guy in Dallas, um, but that really ruled him out because his first head coaching stint was a real disaster. Um, So, yeah, interesting, really. The other thing is I'm not sure McDaniels would go there and, and have no say in everything else. But the cachet of that Dallas job, is so big if anybody wins there you know it's been 30 years nearly since they won a super bowl you win there that sets you up totally for life so yeah i'm sure they'll i'm sure they'll hire a good coach i I think mike mccarthy would be the the favorite based on that that overall profile interesting to know what they would have thought of ron rivera as well i mean that makes washington's decision to to be quick on him um it puts that into a bit more perspective as well i guess
0: yeah and and Mcdaniel's was an interesting shout, and I do still think that they 'd be ridiculous not to to interview him i i I always find this bizarre when it comes to any coaching position you 've got an opportunity to get guys in the building who could in the long term end up if not coaching for you being somebody who you know goes on and has a real impact in the league for as much as Cleveland uh, are uh, an organizational mess bringing in all of the coordinators and uh, you know passing ga- and, and the passing game coaches and, and everything else from San Francisco is exactly the sort of thing that a team like that should be doing. Even if you're not planning to hire the likes of Salah, uh, you do look at it and you go, right, someone might hire him or we might need somebody again in two years' time when he's got more legitimacy as a head coaching candidate. Let's get him in the building and talk to him for four or five hours. We're not doing anything else at this time of year. Uh, yeah, exactly. and exactly. He- if Jerry Jones only interviews those two and then appoints Mike McCarthy, I think that would be bizarre. I think cast the net wider. But if McCarthy is your guy, there's going to be this question mark over, does Jerry Jones need to change to have success in Dallas. I think you have to understand when you take that job you're gonna be getting an emotional an emotionally involved guy who might say some things in the media that you don't like, who who might at times make, you know, some decisions based on those emotions. But as long as you're willing to work with him in some kind of simpatico, it's the biggest franchise in the world for a like what? in any sport and you could be the person to come in and bring success back to them. They've got a brilliant roster already in place with the expanded cap. They'll be able to keep Prescott around. They might even be able to keep Prescott and Amari Cooper with the, ex- with the extended cap coming. I just think that with the egos that most head coaches have already, you would believe you're the guy to do that. And if you go there and you win a Super Bowl or two after the drought they've had, they'll probably be building you a statue yeah. with years.
1: I mean McCarthy also makes sense having been in, in a situation where he didn't have the kind of um front office that he wanted that 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 most want, you know, he's used to having his team kind of chosen for him and working with that. And the only thing I would say on Jerry specifically is do not rule out guys who are coaching other teams. And Sean Payton is the obvious name There is a guy who used to coach in Dallas under Parcells. There's been that speculation for many years. He is absolutely the kind of guy who will go give a couple of first-round picks to get a guy already succeeding somewhere in the league. So I think that, that as well bears watching.
0: Well, you say already succeeding in the league. That sets us up beautifully for Sunday. We'll take a little break and we'll talk the NFC.
1: We Danes are a modest bunch. We enjoy simple pleasures. As such, we tend not to blow our own trumpets. But since Carlsberg Export has a refined, full-bodied and rather satisfying taste, perhaps just this once. Too much? Probably.
0: Carlsberg Export, probably the most modest beer in the world. Enjoy responsibly Drinkaware.co.uk for the facts Hello, Gabby Logan here and I'm pitchside at Welland FC where Suki and his mate Simon have arranged a kickabout to fundraise for sport relief It's 11.47 on a Sunday I think some of these players are a little worse for wear but they're here, they've got their kit on they're kicking against injustice and smashing poverty right out the box They're still 2-0 down though Oh, but would you look at that goal? You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sport Relief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by ACAST. You're listening to The Gridiron Show, Will Gavin, Matt Sherry. And for the second time in three seasons this past Sunday, the Vikings... Have sent the Saints out in the offseason and done so in pretty heartbreaking fashion. Kirk Cousins might be someone who we have questioned, that everyone has questioned, and were questioning a good chunk into this game. But he turns up in overtime. He makes the connection with Adam Thielen late in this game. They come out, they get the win, twenty six to twenty. And uh, and the Saints, who I remember seeing a lot of people's playoff brackets last week when uh, when it was put up on NFL.com, and you could decide who you fancied to go all the way a lot of people had the Saints beating the 49ers in the championship game and going to the Super Bowl well they don't even get out of the wild card round
1: yeah I mean I did slightly forewarn people about this on the last pod when I said there is no team that I can think of who has we playoff losses to the Saints under Sean Payton consistently I mean they just do um this wasn't that weird. I just thought it was a brilliant, brilliant coaching job by Mike Zimmer. I mean, it was one of the best I've I've seen defensively in in a game for a, for a while. Um, you know, they were, they didn't have the matchups to do what they did really in terms of uh, of stopping Michael Thomas and Kamara in particular, the guys who it runs who it obviously runs through. I mean, without Taysom Hill, I think this would have been a blowout. Really, I mean, it it, it took his unique Swiss Army knife skill set to keep the Saints in the game. Um, Outstanding from Zimmer. The only thing I would say is I thought the Vikings got a little bit conservative in the fourth quarter, on on both sides of the ball, actually. I I thought the defence was nowhere as aggressive as it was in the first three quarters, and certainly on offence. But then they showed the the spirit of the team to have the blow of it go to overtime. And Keir Cousins showed it. I mean, I thought Cousins was... The main reason that the Vikings did blow them out because he just never really seemed to make any big plays on third down. He made a couple, but certainly a few times where he just there's guys open and he's tossing the ball into the ground. But he made two amazing throws in overtime to overcome all that. And and they were amazing throws. Exceptional. I mean the, the downfield pass to Thielen is is as good a throw as throws we saw all weekend, one of the best throws we've seen this season. And then to recognise the zero blitz, and how often do we see fades in the end zone? And and we, we, we
0: joke about them often. Because I think the, it's the lowest percentage goal line play you can it, have. It,
1: it is, but against a zero blitz, it's the perfect time to call. I mean, it's the perfect thing to have in. I'm sure if there wasn't a zero blitz, then that isn't the first read on the play, but it's there for that reason. The difficulty with the throw is that it's, a, it's one where the ball placement has to be absolutely perfect, and... You could argue Rudolph pushed off, but it was a great throw by Cousins. I personally don't think it was a push-off. I agree with Al River on that it was, it was hand-fighting, guys playing football in the biggest play of the season. And and the Vikings come out on top. And, and the Vikings are a dangerous team. I mean, we have said this all year, haven't we? Uh, how many times have we said, if you look at the talent, the Vikings are the team who you would potentially elevate into that top table. And and they've shown that in the playoffs. They're probably healthy now. Dalvin Cook was awesome in this game, and and nobody wants to face them. I mean, will you you know full well that you know as the as the number one seed in the NFC and the AFC in the past, teams have had easy divisional round games. This is not easy. I mean, you you one positive is that they have to head out west, and they've only got six days to prepare, I guess. But they're not a team anybody wants to face because they've got really good coaching. I think the offenses, no, the defenses know the opposing offense inside out in that game, which we'll talk about later on in the week. And yeah, just a great job by the Vikings and and so a lot of question marks for the Saints, which I guess is what we will get onto next.
0: Yeah, just just to, to talk on the Vikings before we do get onto the Saints, everything you've said there is perfectly valid, and, and yes, we had Kirk Cousins stepping up in the big moment in the end, and and I also also. Uh, I agree with you on what we saw from uh, look I, I, the thing for me I think in this game is that they managed to really restrict that running game and they managed to keep do what Alvin Kamara and Otavius Murray just 42 yards between them there were a lot of two yard first down runs and second down runs in this game, which just absolutely killed that Saints offense from getting into any kind of rhythm. I was a little bit disappointed, despite the quality of the coaching from the Vikings in the game that Sean Payton called though, because whilst Taysom Hill made those gadget plays you talked about, and while we had two or three of those moments, the, the same guy that put on that coaching masterclass in that loss against the 49ers in the same stadium, what, only four or five weeks ago, it just never clicked for them on the offensive Bad, side of the ball. Badly mismanaged before. the end of the game and, as well. Yeah, absolutely badly mismanaged the end of the game. I, I, and if I'm going to find some kind of reason to be positive this week, it wouldn't be the first time We've seen Minnesota. In fact, if they went to the Bay and cack the bed next week, it would be the third time in recent years where they've had a big, emotional, late playoff win yeah. and then gone and been rubbish the next week. And that is the question mark is the mentality of this team. Can they finally make that step Get over that mark, and and that will be a narrative this week. That will be one of those things that the Skip Baylesses and the balls of this world will be talking about. Can they now go and do it back-to-back games instead of getting one really impressive playoff win, but missing out on going to the Super but, Bowl? But again? Do,
1: do the other the thing is, like you know, I, I would put myself firmly in the non-Skip Bayless camp of, of, of analyzing <laughs> football. <laughs> but but also the the other camp that that kind of pretends these things don't matter are also ridiculous. I mean, I saw a couple of people tweet well is care cousin's a different quarterback now than he was ten minutes ago. Well, in physical skill set, no, but yes, because the most important thing for a quarterback to do is perform in the biggest moments I mean that's what separates great and good quarterbacks. It really is i mean and and care cousins has consistently not done that over his career. This was the biggest moment I think he's probably ever faced in his career in overtime. And he stepped up and delivered. So yes, your analysis of that quarterback right now is completely different than it was 10 minutes before because we've never seen him do it before. And he did do it. And, and you hope that now from the, from a Vikings perspective that he can continue to do it. Because if he does, the Vikings are a legit team, a legit Super Bowl contender. And I would love to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl because they, perhaps more than any team in NFL history have had Heartbreak, you know, we think about the Bills. Well, the Vikings lost four Super Bowls with the Purple People Eaters, with Fran Tarkenton and all those guys as well. They've had a lot of heartbreak over the years and it would be awesome to see them win the Super Bowl.
0: And again, we'll get into this more later in the week, but this is where the bye week does come into a factor because the 49ers next weekend, by the looks of it, will have Jasky Tark back we will have D Ford back in the rotation and may even have Kwan Alexander back as well. I don't, I don't That's Alexander
1: when, being, being anywhere near the player he was with that injury as a linebacker, but we'll see.
0: You, but nobody expected J.J. Watt to make it. They yeah, talked about J.J. Watt so much in the build-up to that game. So, so, what did you say again?
1: That's a different position.
0: It is a different position, but... I just even if he's in the rotation, he's in there to support the likes of uh, of uh, Dre Greenlaw, etc., it is a boost to have him back there. And even if he only makes the tiny impact on that game, but then is available for the championship game in a fuller capacity, if they get through to that point. I still think it's a really significant comeback. And with Tartan Ford as well, those are the kind of things that you get when you get that bye week. And that Week 17 game could have made such a huge difference. Speaking of that Week 17 game, the Seahawks continue to be decent on the road. 8 and 1 on the season on the road after going 4 and 4 at home now the number 5 seed advancing to the NFC divisional round defeating the number 4 Philadelphia Eagles 17 to 9 in front of a hostile crowd in Lincoln Financial Field uh, the second time they've beaten them this season and by exactly the same scoreline The fact is, is that the key play in this game may well have come in the first quarter. Carson Wentz, having missed the two previous playoff runs, including that Super Bowl victory, manages just four minutes and 31 seconds of game time in this game before a frankly disgraceful hit from Jadavian Clowney puts him out of the game. Josh McCown comes in and whilst he moves the offense, I tweeted this last night, 21 plays inside the Seahawks 30-yard line in which they came away with three foot field goals and two turnovers on downs. Their play calling in the red zone wasn't good enough and they weren't able to come away with points. And the Seahawks, just just as they often do, just did enough.
1: Yeah, I think you made a great point when we were just chatting pre-record, which is that as much as it was that close a game, you ultimately, and I agree with you, think that had the Eagles scored Wilson would have just made another player to just do enough because that's what this team are I mean two banged up teams I think the Seahawks are a much better team than Philly when they're both healthy but I mean they're not and, and, and I have to marvel to a degree at Russell Wilson who you know if any quarterback had excuses against that defence because that's the big thing with the Eagles their defence the last few weeks has been as good as any in football and Jim Schwartz again has done an outstanding job with that unit but that offensive line he had yesterday was as bad as any I've ever seen starting the playoffs, Wilson. And, and if anybody has excuses to just be stinking those games, it's him. But he doesn't. I mean, he just, he just makes enough plays. He makes plays when he needs to. It feels like the minute they're under pressure, he will do something to win the game. And yes, they were winning against a, a backup quarterback and backup basically everything else for the Eagles, um, certainly on the Eagles' offense. But the Seahawks are just that team. Like another team where you you don't fancy facing them just because, funnily enough, next week is against the two teams with the Eagles and Green Bay who could argue they've been the clutches teams in the NFL this year in terms of just winning close games and and getting the job done. I don't think either team is that great, but they have kind of traits within their their makeup that allow them to win these games.
0: The lack of running games still is, a, I think, a big concern for yeah. the Seahawks because, I mean, Russell Wilson, yes, he made the plays and repeatedly on third and long managed to keep the team in completions big completions on on third and 15 plus to DK Metcalf to Tyler Lockett in this game uh, you know there were those moments but those moments were too often because he led the team in rushing with 45 yards and okay it's great to see Marshall Lynch back in the NFL getting another touchdown but outside of in the last two weeks outside of the two touchdowns that he has had he's been averaging something along the lines of 2.9 yards per carry and he is not the same running back if you watch down to down Travis Homer after having a brilliant week 17 game against the 49ers came into this one and didn't show any of the flashes he had done at home the previous week you know it's a it's a a really good defensive front and you're going on the road in the playoffs as a late round rookie you can't be that surprised that he didn't necessarily perform up to up to scratch but I think we should
1: I, I think we should mention though uh no player played better than Fletcher Cox this week who was absolutely out of the... Now, I'm aware, I caveat that a little bit with my that Seattle O-line is bad, but he was absolutely incredible. Like, just so good.
0: But the the, the issue with it is, and you saw it happen late in the third quarter and throughout the fourth quarter, when that Eagles team went and won the Super Bowl, they had essentially eight players who could play on the defensive line and could have started almost anywhere. And the rotation was ridiculous. The lack of rotation behind Fletcher Cox meant that he was in for almost every snap of this game and you could see it that late on, Even with the effort still there, he wasn't able to make the plays like he was able to in the first two, two and a half quarters. And I think that was a huge difference late in the game when the Seahawks were able to to pick up those key third downs and were able to kill the game off. Um, You're right, he played out of his mind, out of his skin. And uh, it was one of those, a little bit like Taysom Hill, where there was an individual who was really unlucky to be on a losing team this week. Um, But I do look at that Green Bay Pass rush, and I look at. I, I, I guess they'll have Mikey Apatee back next week, who is a surprise, uh, a surprise missed from a surprise inactive this week for the Seahawks. Maybe they'll also have uh, Famp back as well, but they are going to have to play ten times better than they did against the Eagles this week, and that still might not be enough. Both in run and pass blocking, um, that's uh, that's the area that I give Green Bay the massive edge over Seattle even with Russell Wilson still back there able to do ridiculous Russell Wilson things.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think the, the Packers are a huge fraud that might get to
0: the <laughs> NFC Championship game. but i kind got to feel like whoever gets to the NFC Championship game out of those two feels like they have rode their luck to get there to an extent, considering with C- Seattle it's more to do with, I'm not saying rode their luck, because they're not a good team, but because of the injuries and everything they've had, it would be astounding if they made it there. But as a 49ers fan, if we beat the Vikings this weekend, who would I much rather see coming to the West Coast? Yeah. It's absolutely Green Bay.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> the funny part is that you would say that the Seahawks are so banged up, but that they are a bad matchup for the 49ers just because of how well they know you. I mean, I mean as simple as that, and how terrible the Packers have been going on to the West Coast this season so so yeah absolutely but just what we, just have to say as well that was easily the best wildcard weekend I've ever seen it was mm-hmm. so good there's usually at least one game that is an absolute stinger and there were none, there were none. I mean you'd argue the Eagles Seahawks was, was worse than the other three but yeah I mean the reality but, but- is that it was so good
0: But the drama of those two drives which ended with the turnover on Downs where with both of them they managed to move the ball really well until they got into the red zone and and then weren't able to finish it off you know yeah. on both occasions it felt like they had a legitimate chance and i really felt for Josh McCown at the end when you saw him coming off the field and and being consoled by Zach Ertz and he was he was genuinely in tears because at 40 years old he finally got his crack at a playoff game and he wasn't able to carry them over the line and you do wonder as much as he he played pretty well between the twenties you do think to yourself if Carson Wentz was in this game would they have at least made more of a game of it like I said to you before with the way the Seahawks have played this season I think that you know if they turn two of those drives into touchdown drives and score 24 26 points I think the Seahawks probably still come back and win this game because that's just what they do but I do look back at that hit in the first quarter and I think that was a horrific game-changing yeah, was, moment and and for was, a lot of reasons. A, it was a
1: shocking hit as well. It really was. An absolute joke of a hit. Um, and the Seahawks it, it, are fascinating because more than any team in the playoffs, they are really a one-man team. But that one man is arguably the best player in the NFL. So it's, it's, that's, that's what makes them so, so, so interesting.
0: Right, let's um, let's just quickly mention before we we sign off because uh, I did say we'd do it earlier on. Uh, Kyle Long has decided to step away from the NFL after uh, after seven seasons. Says he wants to get his body right. Whether or not that keeps the door open to him, he's got one year left on his deal. So obviously Chicago would still have his tenure if he decided to go back to the NFL at any point. We've we've certainly seen it before. But at 31 years old, uh, I've, I've managed to. I've chatted to Carl Long a couple of times before. I think he's a, a really intelligent and, uh, and well-thought-out human being and, and always gives really erudite and, and thought-out answers. And I like the guy a lot. I would get the impression more so that he will step away from the NFL and do something with his life rather than actually come back to it. But it just adds to the woes for Chicago who, if they're not going to make the change at quarterback, which increasingly I don't think they are going to, or I think the, or, or head coach, I think they're going to prove to be a waste of a really talented team over the next couple of years.
1: Yep, totally. I mean, the the amount of time stubbornness with with certainly personnel evaluators takes over and ruins potential teams is is staggering. I mean, I see so many examples. The Jaguars with Bortles, now the Bears with Trubisky. I mean, it's just, I find it incredible. I, it, I find it incredibly selfish, actually, as well. I mean, guys who just... Clearly want to defend a decision that they made two years ago and can't see what's right in front of their eyes, and what everyone else can see and, and I would hate to be a Bears fan right now.
0: I mean, Simon Clancy pointed out in our groups in our uh, in our group chat last night. We've always known that the move up to get Trubisky, when Mahomes and Watson are playing at the level that they have, is already pretty rough. But when you consider that they first made the trade with New Orleans and then went and made the trade with San Francisco to get up to the point they did, I mean, San Francisco Solomon Thomas hasn't worked out in a way that a number three overall pick should have done. He's had some some performances this season, but it's not been, you know, somebody you pick three overall. However, with the other three picks that they gave up, 67, 111, and the 2018 third rounder they gave up, the players selected are Alvin Kamara, Tedrick Thompson, and Fred Warner. I mean, we are talking about a pretty high level of talent and I know you can always say that they wouldn't have necessarily picked those players and yada, yada, yada. But the Bears fans have to be looking on and feeling a little bit sick about the decisions that have been made, particularly if they don't move on this year. I feel almost bad for them, but then I remember that they're Bears fans.
1: Exactly.
0: And, yeah, absolutely. Enough said. <laughs> uh, Sherry, always good fun. Uh, good to, to catch up as well after I've missed the last couple. We'll have another show out later this week to preview Divisional Round Weekend. It's the barnstormer. Um, maybe we'll even get that done while you're in town on Wednesday. Yeah, I
1: was just thinking, Ollie, Ollie is off Wednesday, so... Um, I've got to do a meeting at four o'clock, so why don't you guys come to the Oval and we'll record it there at five and then go
0: Oh, oh it sounds delightful. Wonderful stuff. So I'll we'll have that out for you a little bit early this week, probably Thursday morning, while um, me and Sherry are sat around my house hungover. Perfect. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. As always, UK Gridiron on on Instagram, Gridiron on Twitter. Do go give us a rating, a review. Those five stars do help us in a massive, massive way. Um, With the playoffs coming up, anything you need to turn people's attention to from a magazine perspective, Matthew? Uh,
1: No, just Super Bowl issue will be the next one out. I think we're going to do a special subscription promotion for next season around that. So if you're not subscribing to the magazine, hang fire and you, you might get a good day.
0: Beautiful stuff. Well, thank you very much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. See you later in the week. Top work, buddy. Joe, let me get that sent
1: over to you. We recorded for basic.